Welcome to Elixir Outlaws, the hallway track of the Elixir community. All right. All right. Well, it's uh, it's too early in the morning for podcasting, but we're going to do it anyway. Um, so we have, I'm, I'm in Kansas City, so it's 8.30 a.m. Um, it's beautiful and cold, and uh, I'm really enjoying it. How about you, Sean? Uh, well, I haven't been outside, so I don't know if it's cold or not, <laughs> but I'm enjoying it too. Um, I'm actually kind of a morning person. I'm just not a morning meeting person usually. Yeah, you want to sleep in. Yeah. If you have meetings. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have, we have a guest today, Andre. Do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah. Uh, my name's Andre uh, Soroker. I'm calling in from Truckee, California. It's uh, 6.30 in the morning. So you guys are like, you're good. It's uh, 29 degrees outside. It's pretty nice. I think it's snowed. Oh, oh, man. It's colder there than it is here, too. Yeah, it's 29. It's toasty. Um, Usually it's much colder. This time. Last last, uh, couple weeks, it's been really cold. Is Truckee high elevation too? Uh, yeah, I think it's, um, we're at like 6,000, reasonably high. Yeah, that makes sense. Plus the Sierra, the Sierra climate. Oh yeah. So you want me to introduce myself more? Yeah. So, yeah, I, uh, I mean, no, I mean, yeah, you don't yeah. have to, we can just keep talking about no, climate yeah, uh, or whatever. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I know I, you know, you and I met the other day, um, and I, Loved hearing about your company, and then uh, also the talk that you forwarded us about getting riding the beam in your company whenever nobody needs to know <laughs> until right. it's too late. <laughs> the, the talk is how to how to replace a JVM and not get fired or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah so like I think, uh, yeah, nineteen. I think uh, beam. Conf is that what it's called these days? It used code, to be used code to be beam. code beam. Code, yeah, it used to be yeah. called Elixir. I actually don't. What was it called? Factory. 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 No, no, no. Erlang Factory. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. So I've been using uh, Erlang for a long time, and I think that's why I got invited. But I also have a startup called Fogbender, where we make a pretty cool customer support solution. But you know, th- that's not what this podcast is about. Obviously. Oh, I think it is about oh, okay, that. Okay. Like, he, you know, I mean, really, this, this podcast is about just talking and it's hanging just, out. It's not but, about my, my, my company or my, but, my business. Yep. But I want people to know more mm-hmm. businesses out there that, of are, course. that are using so the beam, I. right? There's, there's so many of them, and we're not talking about it enough. So I think that's, I, I that's the problem for Elixirs. People are just like too, too honest, too nice, too shy, you know? And, and so we have all this other stuff instead. Well, it, it solves a set of modern day problems in a really simple way. And after you've done it enough, it's like, Oh, it's just, it's just easy. You don't, I guess you don't feel like talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll just go skiing instead. Yeah, it's it's like... <laughs> Cause it's so easy. And now you can ask the open AI chat to mostly just write it for you in Elixir. It's unbelievable. <laughs> That thing is so weird. I was messing with it this weekend and showing my son-in-law. He's also a software developer, and he hadn't heard of it yet. And I was asking it to like play Bohemian Rhapsody, but uh, uh, as if it was written by Charles Dickens. And 
Um, the Raven by Charles Dickens is fantastic. If you want to go type that in. <laughs> All right. Only with a happy yeah. ending. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> so on the one hand, I'd asked it, I'd asked it to draw some ASCII art dinosaurs and it's like, it does, it really, it's, it's so funny because it, it doesn't know how at all. It's like, it draws a square. It's like, Hey, here's a sim- simple dinosaur. But then I also <laughs> explained like an actual problem I'm working on at work. And, and I'm like, Hey, can you think about this? And I need this in Elixir. And it, it produced a pretty, like a pretty good solution. Um, wow. Yeah, and yeah, I'm seriously considering like u- using it. <laughs> so, so that joke yeah. of I've I've replaced you with a <laughs> yeah. with a small yeah, shell script. It's, <laughs> it's, it's been an, a strange few days. It's yeah, yeah. I I uh, I also ask it to tell me why Elixir is better than Node, and it does a really good job at telling you like what things are are really good about the Beam. And then the last sentence of every paragraph is something along the lines of, and this, and Node is not very good at this. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't do comparisons very well. I I asked it to compare Beam versus JVM. I I, I think it must have been kinder to JVM than than probably to Node. Oh. Yeah. Okay, so maybe it does know what's going on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I actually think it, it does, yeah. It seems seems to. So uh what is that? Is open open AI is the one that did that G, GPT three chat or something. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if if you guys haven't tried it, it's worth going out and you have to sign up for an account, at least at open AI. I think other people have started to show like use the API to get up things on their pages, but uh it's it's Amazing and and maybe a little scary at the same time, and it will produce code. That's what I thought was crazy that you were just saying, uh, Andrea, because I saw that too that it would spit out some code. I saw somebody say that. Why do you need Stack Overflow anymore? It's already ingested all the answers from Stack Overflow. So you just ask the question you want, and it gives it to you in the right language. And well, with so many inputs, it might actually give you a correct answer instead of like a lot of the stack overflow stuff that I run into. Well, actually, I think just in the last few days, folks started flooding stack overflow with answers from uh, chat GPT <laughs> and, and stack overflow banned submissions generated by AI and people on hacker news are like, well, how, how do they know that those are the submissions? They're like, well, we can kind of tell the, by the language. And so it's, mm. I don't think you can always tell though. It's it does have a certain uh, style. Like I've also asked it to write a, a short story about a, a small boy who gets lost in the woods and wanders into a cave, and it was really good, really good story. <clears throat> I, I went to the store with my wife and daughter, and as as they were self checking out, I read the story to them. It, it was captivating. You know, he met a spirit in the cave and. It was it was a like a fulfilling sort of a life changing experience in the end. Made it home too to his parents, who were delighted. So it take it, it takes re- a oh go ahead. It's revolutionizing bedtime stories, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I actually think this might change the game for writers in general who, who need ideas. Yeah, I noticed like uh, if you if you try to get it to write something like an essay. 
it's high school-ish. It, you know, it's, it's very um, basic essay, but you had to generate an idea out of that for you to go and, and run on could be. Or, yeah, or details about something you, you're not an expert in. It's pretty, yeah, yeah. So if you're writing a book and you have a chapter that involves, you know, undersea exploration or something, you could, you could immediately become an expert. <laughs> you know? I have a friend who's an author who normally writes crime novels. His name's Ryan Sales. He, uh, he's actually got um, some, some big awards for crime novels and stuff, but um, he's probably, if he knows that I'm talking about him, he'll be horrified that uh, I talked about him. And, but he's writing a space novel, a sci-fi novel about going from planet to planet. And he calls me and he's like, hey, so if I have some Marines and they're standing on the outside of a spacecraft and there's another one coming up alongside of them and they jump from one to the other, is, can, will they do that or will they just get splattered or whatever? And he's always asking me, he's, I'm going to start sending him to <laughs> the answers from yeah. this. I'm just, here, type your answers in here. <laughs> It knows more physics than I do anyway. <laughs> so send them some, just forward some text first and then, and then tell them in a week, tell them where you got it so he can help himself. <laughs> he might not be my friend anymore if he doesn't have to call me and ask me these questions though. <laughs> Did you know that so you e- Elon Oprah. Musk founded OpenAI? It's, it just seems that every like story that breaks, it's like big somehow was founded by Elon Musk lately. <laughs> I thought you were serious. I am serious. He founded OpenAI. Very dead man. Did he really? Absolutely, yeah. He I think he, he also, left he also has degrees from colleges he never went to. No, this this is absolutely true. Uh yeah, he left because there was a conflict with Tesla somehow. But he was one of the founders and original but I'm I'm impressed. Probably autonomous driving stuff. Yeah, most likely. Yeah. We've, we've had a Tesla for, uh, for a while. It's got free charging, free supercharging for life. So it's really hard for me to join in on any kind of hatred for Elon Musk. Cause it's like free driving for life is pretty, it's pretty good. Yeah. And, and we put like a hundred plus thousand miles on this thing. Mm. Wow. Yeah, awesome. What's, what's the farthest you've driven? Uh, Taos, New Mexico from, uh, from Oakland a couple of times. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you, you just named one of my favorite places on earth too. Same. Except not Oakland. If you have, Taos. yeah, Taos. <laughs> if, <laughs> yeah, except it doesn't have any good, you know, electric car chargers yet. There are some municipal slow ones, but if you're there, my, my family was there for a month last summer and they mostly spend it, spent their time just charging, just sort of, you know, going to the charger in the morning, charging, and then going home to sleep. And then repeat. <laughs> I'm only half joking. Yeah. yeah, it'll it'll change. Yeah, yeah. I I know here in Kansas City we have a lot, we have chargers everywhere, every grocery store, all kinds of places. And I was out in Colorado recently, and um, outside of Nederland, Colorado, there's another little town. I can't think of the name of it, but there's like yeah. zero there. There's a coffee shop in the Wait, middle Nederland of nowhere. Doesn't have a supercharger. <clears throat> no, not Nederland. This town down the road. Oh, War- it, well, no, it does have one, oh, which was yeah. what blew oh, my mind yeah, 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 of is because there's, yeah. there's only a coffee shop and like a barn sitting there. And there's the spot next to the barn that says electric vehicles only. And there's a supercharger sitting there. It's like, and, wait. And speaking of Oakland, guess how many superchargers Oakland has? None. 
I think none. I think zero. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Right. I, I could, was going to try to guess a really low I'm number. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, pretty sure none. Emeryville has, has a couple, though, and it's just next door with, with better, I don't know, business uh, laws or something. Hmm. Yeah. So can you tell me more about Fogbender and, yeah. and what, what Fogbender is? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's this idea that it's, the, it's an implementation of this idea that when you're selling complex software to teams, technical teams, not necessarily software, but tends to be. It really helps to talk to the entire team at, at once, as opposed to uh, treating everyone on that team as kind of an individual who might have a problem about your software. And um, we, we've been toying with this for a long time. So our, our very first product uh, that we started ten years ago was kind of ended up being kind of a Slack competitor. Though I, I think they ended up being our competitor because we launched first. But we had we accidentally created a shared channel between us and like our first customer. We just had a room that was uh, visible to both uh, teams, and first kind of freaked out because it was a security incident. But also then thought, "This is so cool! We now have a really good way to get to get feedback." So we started creating one of those for every one of our customers, and it ended up being an incredible way of supporting these teams that were, you know, we were an early stage company that needed as much feedback as possible. And yeah, so that, then we Slack finally sort of smothered us. And then we, we uh, pivoted to a product called same room, which is basically shared channels as a service, but democratized, not just, you know, sort of across platforms, not just Slack. At the peak, this is like 2015, 16, there was kind of a mushrooming of these uh, team messaging services. Mm-hmm. M- mostly awful. Well, we supported like 30 of them. We actually, and we also supported things like, you know, IRC, which of course hard, is hardly a standard because every, every, you know, every, every uh, uh, large, you know, uh, kind of server implements its own version of the you protocol. You mean those 800 RFCs aren't followed yeah. by everybody? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, or by everyone, just sort of selectively. <laughs> anyway, um, but so, so that was kind of another, it was kind of a foray into, into team-to-team messaging. And then we got acquired and I was in, on the receiving end of these lar- larger companies selling complex software to my big team that kept changing that, whom I've mostly not met because we were all over the planet. And I was, it was a miserable experience kind of getting support through these, you know, clearly tools designed for, for for like brands, you know, for B2C consumer based uh, companies. And I thought, let's, you know, we need to build what I wanted really was like a, a, a messaging widget on my vendors dashboard. You know, after I sign in, I want to see a messaging widget that has my entire team in it along with a vendor, you know, like a, I wanted, I wanted a built-in kind of an embedded sort of shared Slack channel experience, but with no, no threads, no anonymous threads. I wanted many channels, many named persistent searchable channels. And that's what Fogbender is. It's a, except now we integrate with Slack and with Microsoft teams as well. (laughs) So it's, it's, it's kind of, um, thing you can install on your website and that that becomes like the first place where your users might go and then if they also happen to use microsoft teams they can connect a channel microsoft teams channel where each each conversation t- 
turns into kind of a separate issue inside of Fogbender, uh, or they can use Slack, uh, where s- similar thing happens to threads. Um, and we, we even work with shared channels now. So if you've got like 50 shared channels and you're losing your mind, you can link them to Fogbender um, and lose your mind less. Or, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Is, is that uh, built on XMPP underneath? Is it like eJeopardy? No, no, no. Uh, no. <laughs> I'm not a fan of XMPP or, yeah. You guys are taking me back. My my first Beam experience was a software. I don't. I'm trying to think of what all I can say about it. And not violate anything. Uh, it supported IRC and XMPP rooms and point to point, and then its own like super compressed secure protocol also. And that that's how I got into Erlang. We originally wrote it in Java and when we needed to federate servers, um, after a few servers, it started to get really headachey and pulling in the beam was, was a brilliant move. I can't remember who came up with it. I'd totally give him credit. Probably Oliver Ferrini. If I'm just going to name drop him, hopefully he'll hear this. Probably not, but that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think X, I mean, XMPP has the same problem as, as IRC, right? Where, if if it's a if it's a system that actually works, it's not compatible with any other XMPP system. Even though it's like, yeah, we're using this protocol. It worked great for um, things like Trillion, you know, for federated IM. It's fantastic. But once you start getting into team messaging with complex features, forget it. We we built um, so HipChat was running on on XMPP and. Uh, same room supported HipChat as long as it could, <laughs> you know. Then it died. Yeah, it was it was one of the more painful integrations, and we had reversed engineered Skype and Google Hangouts, and this like open uh, platform XMPP was still harder than like breaking um, GChat. And, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, they used to use XMPP back in the day too. They like, did, at least yeah, from, yeah, but it was could, they, they did they didn't use it natively, right? So they had uh, adapters that they shut down once. I think they all probably went to a bar and had like this big fight. Uh, Zuckerberg, whoever was running Microsoft, Ball, uh, Balmer, Balmer, Steve yeah, Balmer. yeah, and then Larry and uh, Sergey or they were no, I think they, it was they were Google. Yeah, Larry they were Google. But I don't think they were running it. Who, whose original name was Backrub? Do you imagine oh. we were all walking around saying, "Hey, <laughs> yeah, just worked. go ahead and back, backrub that." It would have worked. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, so we're we've been doing this stuff with WebSockets for for a long time, just kind of like our own protocols, but always betting on you know good sort of you know not really being married to any existing low, lowest common denominator, uh, hoping for you know, really good mobile support, which is, uh, that was another problem for XMPP. It's difficult to do. X- XML is also just a t- t- kind of tr- tricky to deal with in general. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we're all our, we've, we've, we've been rolling our own uh, protocols, which is freeing, you know, in many ways. What are the goals in your, like the protocols that you're rolling versus the ones that are out there? Like, what are you wanting to do differently? So let's see. That's a good, that's a good question. I mean, I think partially the data, like 
following a data model that we need, you know, not really worrying about making just shoehorning something into into a data model that we need. So so that that's great. Then dealing with things like, you know, back pressure acknowledgements um, that fit kind of web-based uh, messaging is is it's nice to be able to control that behavior, what reconnections look like, you know. And and then those things tend to change as I don't know, people get better internet. It, yeah, I, I don't know if I have a really great explanation for this, but at the end of the day, if, if you don't control, it seems like if you don't control the protocol, you're just always going to be fighting something. It's the same thing that, you know, f- to build Fogbender with like a really small team when we were bootstrapped for, for a couple of years, we, we never even considered, say, building on top of Slack because, you know, that just dictates everything you're going to not be not able to do down down the road you know so we we had to build our own messaging engine and and it's great because now we can do <laughs> we can do whatever we want it's the same thing you know with with protocols so i think it's like the most important if it's the most important thing about your your product it's it's better to not farm it out to someone else if you can it's not always possible like right now for example we're um well we we needed an integration with the CRM system, so HubSpot and Salesforce, and we used we used a provider that <laughs> is shutting down. So now we're looking for another provider, and that's the one. Th- that's kind of an important part of the the product, but I'm not sure that we want to kind of conquer Salesforce APIs or HubSpot APIs ourselves right now. You know, it's it's just like one of those things, but I don't view it as like the most important thing of our product. So it's okay to use a provider. It's not okay for a provider to <laughs> go out of business. Yeah. But that chat protocol, that is that is the most important Yeah, part it's of key. Yeah. So you're are you using Erlang, Elixir, Gleam? We're yes. using Elixir. <laughs> um and what's interesting, so so this is my first real project in Elixir where I'm writing code. I didn't write code in my previous project. This was a company that acquired my my previous startup, but we did write I I, I like product managed the product product that was written in elixir i just didn't touch the code and um when we started fogbender we were like you know what elixir why um let's go back to erlang it's kind of like nicer and then what's interesting i just i was as i was thinking about talking to you guys i realized that we we didn't use ecto in in that elixir project before uh where i was the product manager we, I think we just, I don't remember, but we probably just used, you know, SQL, whatever, uh, raw SQL. I think that's exactly what it was. And as we started Fogbender, we were like, well, we kind of want some kind of an ORM. And we started looking into ORMs in Erlang. We were like, maybe we should build one. And then we were like, well, guess what? Ecto seems, seems to exist. So let, let's just use that. And yeah, it's it's been a pretty incredible. So what, we don't use Phoenix. That's one thing we, we've never... Like we've used it as contractors, but all we've always wanted was a good web server. You know, I've I've struggled with Yaws for for a while and like Mochi Web <laughs> back in the day. And when Cowboy showed up, one of the things we've always done, well, we're not doing this anymore, but we've always sponsored for years. We sponsored Loic, who who's like the main developer of Cowboy. And so as a result, he built a bunch of features that we needed, um, like for our WebSocket stuff and. So we've, I don't know, always kind of had this g- good 
relationship with Cowboy. And it's a pretty great piece of software, really well written. And, you know, because we don't come from Rails, none of us have ever really touched it. There's never any need to, for, for, for Phoenix, like conceptually. So, React, you know, React and then just some APIs is good enough. So your, your front end is in React? It is, although we're switching our static stuff to Astro now, because uh, if you're, if you're, you know, I, I'm not Astro aware. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, it's one of these um, sort of static site generators. It's a way to make Google really like your content because um, it doesn't really anymore. If it's React, if it's if it's uh, client side rendered, it's not going to like it as much as it did a few years ago. Uh, so our blog, which doesn't have much on it yet, but it's already running on Astro. And then we're switching the entire kind of like the landing page uh, there as well. Astro.build. Yeah, if you want to talk about Astro, I can, you can invite our VP of engineering and on another startup. He'll, he can, uh, yeah, he can explain more. So you, you hinted at here, I don't think we ever said it directly, but you used Beam before Fogbender. And then yeah. you also said about contracting. So you you have a team that does contract work as well as building a product. Uh, so first, I started using Beam in 2009 before stack traces in Erlang, like error messages, or before line numbers, before line numbers and mm-hmm. stack traces. I think it was maybe 12. I don't remember the exact. Um, you know, kind of a, a little a little bit OG, but I actually met. You know, I met it's such a small community. I met Joe Armstrong. The, immediately as soon as like i started i'm like oh and here's the guy who like kind of designed this thing so because um we, um the airline conference was very, you know it's pretty small it was just a really small group of people so um i've been using it for a long time i've assembled a small group of people around airline and that that's that was our kind of like the core development team and we did do consulting because we started Fogbender and we walked straight into COVID with fundraising, even though I was like a second time founder. And I did assemble sort of on paper, a small pre-seed round, like 500,000. And then we were ready to get everything signed and you know, ready to kind of commit money to the bank account uh, mid, mid-March 2020. And, you know, that's when everything started shutting down. So we we switched gears to consulting. And uh, we consulted and just essentially try to stay ahead of, you know, drowning until we raised some money in late 2021. So it's almost two years. Great experience. Really difficult while building your own stuff. But, yeah, it was – I'm not sure what the alternative was there. (laughs) (laughs) I I like it. Like. You know, you you had to make some changes to keep the business going and keep things things moving forward, and you did it. And it may have been very different, right? Like you're now working for somebody else, kind of to to fill the coffers and for investors. And you're still able to get yeah yeah to still get fog. We're, we're burning money now, which is which Burn. is <laughs> yeah burning money is is easier, yeah. but but there's there is a horizon, you know, like this event mm-hmm. horizon. At which point that you're done. Mm-hmm. While we were consulting, we we had on average six weeks of runway in the bank, which is like panic territory for a f- VC funded um, 
startup founder, but for, for us, we've had, and, and then whenever we would have like 12 instead of six, we would not consult for a few weeks and build Fogbender, you know, and get it down to six. It was too much, you know, <laughs> too much money. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. I can't like, when I get down to six weeks, I start to panic <laughs> and I, I, yeah, I don't yeah. know that I would want to get there on purpose. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, it's, I also spent like all of our savings, um, you know, so it wasn't, there was an event horizon somewhere, but we raised money and then we got into YC, which was the first batch that um, invested that got the extra $375,000, you know, so it was like, a, we, we got a lot of money all of a sudden. We'll still find a way to burn it all, but um, you know it's it's a nice <laughs> it's a nice break. Hopefully, by the time you burn it all, you you end up with either more think, investors yeah, no, or I'm, maybe I'm, a maybe a buyout. What I mean is, there's always a way to to. It doesn't matter how much you raise; you can always find a way to burn it all. But yeah, no, we're we're actually getting pretty close. I think to be able to raise more. We're working with uh, like a really pretty big, important customer. Um, and the product seems to be um, making, starting to make sense, which is, uh, which is great. Uh, you know, there's just a lot, a lot of work to be done, but it's starting to, it's starting to shape up, which is really cool to see for such a complex product. Yeah. I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm like sneezing and coughing at the same time. This is, yeah. <laughs> But you, you can operate that mute button really well. It's, you're hiding it well, yeah. Uh, well, the recording is not. I have a, a thing called Crisp K R I S. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's it's amazing. Um, I have a ukulele, and I was just testing it at one point, and I can pull out the ukulele and play it and talk. And everybody said only every once in a while you hear like a little little bitty sound come out of the ukulele, but not much at all. And and it immediately goes away. They said, and it's just my voice. So, I guess it would be really bad if you were trying to record and put out your own album to have crisp on. You'd probably be pretty frustrated at the end of the day. <laughs> you know how Instagram, when it f- first came out, like the big thing was filters. There were maybe mm-hmm. six or something. So I wonder if it, we're looking in, in the future, everyone's gonna have like a slightly different audio filter, noticeably something weird going on, but it would be a thing. Like you'd be mm-hmm. listening to a podcast and someone sounds, you know, sounds like a ukulele and it's just, just cause it's a filter that they're using. Oh, it's to like, change their voice to sound. Yeah, like it's just a sort of a form of expression. Yeah. Just like on Instagram when you use, um, I don't know, uh, high lo-fi, whatever. We should have cut this off a few seconds ago so that we could have kept that startup idea to ourselves <laughs> i have another the audio i have audio a startup Instagram. idea you want to hear a startup idea do you want to share it with everybody or should we yeah. stop recording i think you should always okay. share startup ideas with everyone all right let's hear it i should have two two start so one this is kind of a, more of a joke but but it might there might be a thing we recently had our um like login broken like initial sign up not not even log- login What's, what's the worst thing that can happen? Hey, why, how come my business is failing? Well, your sign up doesn't work. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh crap. <laughs> yeah. So I think like we could, we would pay some money, but obviously you could automate this, but, but your automation can break too. And you won't know or something, right? There's, there is sort of an, an end to this automation somewhere, but if there's a service that for some amount of money would, lo- would basically create an account every single day 
and and provide some some summary. Uh, and they would do this for like every every SaaS company in the world. It could be like a, a large, large, interesting business. Um, half joking, but it might be a thing. I mean, might maybe it already exists. I don't know. But it's just a service that creates a new account every day and logs in to an existing account. That's it. They don't do anything else. It's like a smoke test for your login, yeah, like a canary service. Yeah, canary service. Yeah, and then like the name has to be something al- along the lines of like sleep well or something. You know. Because literally, that's the worst. You know, if your web, if your thing goes down, you're gonna know. You know, there's gonna be some way. If your service goes down, you're gonna know. Your customers are gonna be like, but like, if your sign up is broken, potentially, like you'll be testing. Lo- you know, it'll it'll work local host. It'll work in staging, but it won't work in production. And you'll you'll never know. <laughs> you'll just sort of you know burn the money away. Yeah, because those people that can't create an account, you'll just are there. Oh, they're they, like, yeah, this is them. this is broken. Yes. No. Yeah. And yeah. Like uh, I won't bother. It's literally the worst thing you can do to yourself as a, as like a startup founder is have a broken sign up. And I think it's common actually. Like as a you know. All right. So the second startup. Yeah. Okay, I, I just want to throw out there along the lines of that. Uh, I I have this love hate relationship with all the auth services out there. Yeah. Like auth yeah. zero, propel auth. They look awesome. Propel auth looks really awesome to me. But at the same time if I'm putting my authorization and authentication into somebody else's hands and it gets broken, I, I have no recourse because it's now in their hands and I just have to like call them. And that, that feels not fun to me. <laughs> Might be faster though to, to have it fixed that way than for you to do it yourself. Uh, maybe. Yeah. I guess if that's all they do, if yeah. they're focused I on it, it may be faster. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, other, other idea. Other idea. idea. Yeah. So I don't know if, if you've, um, we have a business Verizon account where we can like purchase devices for our, uh, employees. And every time I do it successfully, I'm, I'm shocked because the experience, like just the, just the user experience of using the Verizon website, you know, it's astonishing. It's astonishing. Like it's, I, I think it was easier to go, like to go to the moon than whatever effort they actually placed into building that. Like most corporate websites. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is so. So we also use Brex for car for like you know credit cards and it's like it's a bank account too. And I'm envisioning that like a similar experience to managing you know sell stuff. So as opposed to like you know landline phones and stuff, but sell stuff um to like how how you can handle credit cards and wire transfers and all that stuff with brex and then you just like sell it to verizon they'll be happy they'll be happy to pay a hundred million dollars for you know a, a functioning website just to set up cell lines for businesses well it's not just cell lines it's it's devices it's um mm-hmm. being able like to the whole the whole, the whole thing workflow yeah. 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 And then it doesn't have to be Verizon, right? Like if you like, it could be mix and match, right? So, so you've got people all over the country, somebody's using AT&T, someone's using Verizon, Mm -hmm. someone's using, I don't know, something else. But I mean, the, the barrier right now is literally like website doesn't work. Like it's pretty low. The bar is low. Website doesn't work. You can't pay. You have to call or you got to chat using, you know, you sort of use this like in, in app chat. It's unbelievable. And yeah, like I don't know why it doesn't exist. 
<laughs> and you guys, are, you're not coming back saying, oh, aren't you using yeah, that? I, yeah. I was just trying to think through it. My wife just the other night had to get on Verizon and wanted to, we have a, she has an Apple watch that has the cell, but she never uses it like the cellular part of the watch it's so she's like i'm just i just want to shut that off and she ended up having to get into chat with somebody and they're like yeah there's not a way to do that or and then we also needed to add a line transfer a number and there were like a few things and if you could make that actual self-service instead of having to get on and talk to somebody yeah but and for a business i mean i think if you're an individual you're managing at most i mean how many kids can you have i don't know 10 Okay, so you've you have like ten kids. <laughs> oh, you, plus you saw the, you saw the Pope in the background. Good assumption. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but still, you're going to max out maybe at twelve lines. You know, if you're just like very prolific, or maybe I don't know, parents or something, grandparents. But with in a, with a business, you know, you're dealing with not just it's not about the large number of people. It's the fact that they they keep coming and going, right? So you mm-hmm. you don't have that in your family. You don't just suddenly like have someone join who needs a, a line like that's going to be a big deal. Like someone's going to turn, you know, whatever age, I don't know. Like it's, it's just in the business, it happens all the time and really it should just be hooked up to your, uh, yeah, created a new account and they just, there's some kind of a provisioning that goes on that includes them selecting a, uh, my thing that they can just receive in the mail automatically. But right. I do wonder though, like as I, I see it more with the individual, like personal um, devices and accounts, but I wonder if there is some so- sort of perverse incentive in their corporate structure that is like, we need to make it hard for people to change things because that affects our bottom line. I doubt and it. Because you can say things. the same thing about cards, credit cards, or like banks. I, I don't know. I, I don't, I know what you mean, but I kind of, I think they're just, they're just not innovating. Well, they just have too many people um, to have, they just have too much money to, to build software. And once you have too much money, you can't really do anything. It just doesn't really work. And yeah, it's kind of amazing. I don't think I've ever heard too much money to build software before. I mean, that's, but now I'm sitting back yeah. and thinking about it. And yeah. yeah, the joke is, you know, if they just had a little more money, you know, surely Verizon <laughs> would be able to, <laughs> if, if Microsoft had just a little bit more money, you know, Microsoft Link would have worked on on phones, you know, or something like that. Like it's right. it's clearly not a money problem for a lot of these guys. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Like I actually think that if if there was an easy way to um, provision devices and lines, manage them, put potentially through an API and a nice website, I think I think they would have a lot more business than they do today. It makes me wonder about to the um, you know there was in the late nineties, um, at Amazon, this, this push for let's make everything an API, which has worked out really well for them. And I think that like a lot of the other big corporations just haven't picked up on that. You know, I, I worked at one for a while. We had a bunch of APIs internally, but it wasn't like people were, uh, dog fooding that. Um, you know, we were, we'd buy off the shelf products for a lot of things that we would use for the business and then have APIs for our customers. Uh, so, so it was like, uh, I wonder if, if that's, that sort of shift would be needed, uh, in a place like Verizon to make things work in a self-service way. Maybe. Yeah. It's a good question. I think fundamentally though, it's just, it's not a software company and, and Amazon became a software 
you know, was a software company. I think primarily that it happened to be selling books initially in the nineties. Yeah. If you, uh, can't remember what they're called. Uh, there's like codes for every business out there and what they do. Uh, and you can pull it from credit card statements and stuff through APIs to say like, and try to, I guess, guess what you were buying so that you like as a business, you can put it in the right category pretty quickly. And Amazon still comes up as bookseller. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of true. (laughs) They're deeply and broadly integrated uh, company and diversified. Yeah, Yeah, very diversified. They have an airline, right? No. Oh, I had no idea. Just the one that goes to space. That's all I thought. (laughs) Right. Um, No, I I don't know. Maybe, maybe, but I think they do have their own planes. Oh, I, I'm sure. What I mean, that's what I meant, yeah. But, For freight, know, probably. Some kind yeah. of freight, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I've seen the Amazon planes. and. But then I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if at some point, Spirit, you know, Spirit and um, Spirit, what's the other one? They merged like the two airlines with with these, like the plastic seats, you know. Frontier? Frontier and Spirit, yeah, what a, what a match. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, maybe 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 Amazon takes them out of business eventually by launching an actual. Well, I'm, I'm I almost kind of hope that. so. They were they were racing for the bottom there. They really were. Yeah, now they're <laughs> racing together, and it's, 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 it's hand in hand it's so going to the bottom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We are the cheapest and worst. Let it's un- it and, you know, they're also really old. Like I was kind of looking into. They were. I don't remember, but like one of them started in the early eighties or something. They've been doing this for a long time. This race for the bottom has been, it's not a new thing. So they're really, really good at it. <laughs> you know, decades of experience. Have you ever been, I, now I'm just thinking about bad airlines. Have you ever been on Ryanair in Europe? I have. Yeah. But, but it's always short flights. <sighs> That's true. It's true. Uh, thank God. Cause there's no room. Everything costs you five Euro on that plane. They're like, would you, would you like the, Sky Mall magazine, that'll be five euro, right? Or water. <laughs> Would you like water? water. Five euro. Yeah. yeah. Five euro. <laughs> like human uh, decency, five euro. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's I, the inside of that plane being yellow and blue. When it looks like there's advertisements everywhere, all I can think of is the movie Idiocracy. Yeah. That's what it looks like. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's the longest flight is going to be two hours to the, you know, the, the, the Warsaw Pact like boundary somewhere from, you know, Ireland, I guess. Like, you know, just not that far. But the problem the problem with, like, spirit is you can take that from Oakland to Cincinnati, and that's going to be, you know, I don't know, four, four hours, some kind of just in, with no food, no water, you know, you gotta be essentially standing room, you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, no, I've never been on in spirit, so I can't. Oh, good Can't for really you. compare it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we we flew it once and uh you know we were like so excited about the how inexpensive the tickets were. And then we realized that oh, if we want to actually have a decent flight, because we were going from Kansas City to LA. If we if we wanted a decent flight, we had to keep shelling out more money. Uh and it was like, oh, well, this isn't even saving us anything <laughs> in the end. Yeah. <laughs> so I knew about this, and you know, I just generally fly with nothing, just a wallet. I just, you know, I just have a wallet. That's it. And so no, not even, not even like hand luggage, but I had a five hour delay in Vegas or something. 
You know, I'm, I'm convinced that it's because they get last dibs on, I don't know, takeoffs. I'm not sure how it works, but, and it's happened a few times where like the experience, yes, cheap, but so not worth it <laughs> in the end. Yeah. Well, I, I have to start getting out of here. I want to, I want to keep talking about up, yeah. airlines and product ideas and, and other things that you've been doing with the beam, but. Thanks for coming on, Andre. Thank you. Uh, and everybody should check out Fogbender. Your products could probably use theirs. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least I I thought it was cool when I went to the website. So yeah, if you book hopefully. a demo, I'll I'll do a demo for you. There's 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 a Calendly link on our website. And hard, hard to may, miss. But will you get up and do the demo at 6.30 a.m.? Like you I did think this 7 is, is the earliest you can book. S- 7. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's all go get our second cup of coffee and head out for the day. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thanks, Andre. See ya.